ago. Yeah. Lord, we just thank you so much uh, for laughter, Lord. I thank you for all my brothers and sisters, Lord, and uh, I pray that this message will be pleasing to you, that you anoint me to preach it for your glory. And uh, we thank you, Lord, that you are the giver of all things, Lord. And you have something for each and every one of us here today. And I pray that, that we'll find what it is, what nugget it is you want us to take with us, Lord, as we leave uh, this morning. And we pray that your word would just bless us and draw us closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you ever heard of this name, Jim Valvano? Anybody? Okay. Valvano, V-A-L-V-A-N-O. Valvano? He played football? He was a basketball coach. He might have played football, too. Anyway, uh, Jim Valvano gave a very moving and inspirational speech at the 1993 ESPY, like ESPN, Sports Awards. And during his speech, he stressed the importance of love, of kindness, and perseverance, persistence in all that we do. And he thanked God in the speech for every day and every moment of his life. He was dying of cancer. And he made this speech like eight weeks before he died. He also said that, that cancer, which he's fighting cancer, that cancer couldn't touch his heart, his mind, or his soul. And then he's, in his closing remarks, in his speech, he uh, shared this one phrase, a few words that have been quoted many times after his death. He said, in a cry of passion... Don't give up. Don't ever give up. And Jim Valvano's words, I think, uh, are are a battle cry for every spirit-filled, born-again Christian. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. No matter what you are going through, don't ever give up your faith. Don't ever give up your faith. Stick with it. Grow in it. And God will bless you. So my first thought uh, this morning is victory is ours. And we're going to be looking at uh, Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through 14. When you are dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, referring being alienated from God, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us our, all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Paul reminds us that at, at the very core of Christianity is the restoration, the restoration of people who have fallen away from God. What is most important in life has been accomplished through Jesus Christ on the cross. 
we are living in a time of desperation. We're living in a time of hatred, of lies, deception, fear, fear of the unknown, false teaching, and what I call weak, powerless theology. Verse 15. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Although we are living in troubled times, Paul says, we are overcoming because what Jesus was has done on the cross. That he has is, he is healed this world through his Holy Spirit. That we are conquerors even no matter what the devil throws at us. We are conquerors. And as we move toward the end of this age in history, Revelation seventeen fourteen reminds us they will make war against the Lamb. Who is the Lamb here? Jesus. But the Lamb will overcome them because he is Lord of lords and King of kings. And with him will be his called, chosen, and faithful what? Followers. That's us. Here we have the assurance of that Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords regardless. Regardless what the world, the devil Antichrist or even any demonic activity throws at us. Why? Because we will reign with him. We reign with him now, but we are going to really reign with him when he comes back again. That's his promise. Number two, the gospel will never be snuffed out. Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. And then what? And then the end will come. Jesus made it very clear before the end of this age, the gospel would be preached throughout the world. That's happening today. You know, with all the missionaries around the globe, comma, and all the Bible translations that we have, comma, and with TV and all the TV ministries, and the high technology. Wow. It's here. The gospel is being proclaimed around the world. It is being proclaimed through all these avenues. But here's the deal. That's the good news. There's part of the bad news here as well. That in our country, the America, there, there is not a really a world national uh, spiritual awakening in our country. It's not happening in our country. However, here's the good news. Before you jump all over me and say, no, wait a minute, no, wait a minute. No, listen to what I'm saying. There are pockets of spiritual revival happening in our country. They're happening in churches across our land, pockets of them. They're happening in our higher education. How many Christian uh, universities, colleges do we have? Many of them. We have homeschooling. Homeschooling is becoming more of a trend. And a lot of Christianity is coming out of homeschooling. And what about uh, on some of our secular campuses? You have what, uh, Campus Crusade for Christ. In northern Illinois, 
They have a great active campus crusade going on for, for Christ in Northern. I know that because a brother of mine is the director of Campus Crusade at Northern University. And every month we get a newsletter from him. And he tells us how Jesus Christ is moving in, on the campus. It is happening. That, was, we know, is a secular campus. Now, how many are familiar with Yorkville Christian Academy? Yay! There are 75 students that go there. So I went to a basketball game last Friday at the academy. And they were playing, I think it was Glenbard West or whatever it was. And uh, so I went to the, and the, and the place was really, was really jumping. And uh, as tradition, as custom is, before the game starts, we have what? The national anthem, right? Okay, so we all stand. We know it's coming. And before they, we sang the anthem, they prayed. How refreshing is that? So when we stop and think about it, when we get too crazy about, well, nothing's happened. God is moving in our country and communities. He is moving. He is moving. We know that. But there's more to come. There's more to come. And that's what we really need to see and we need to understand that the gospel message is reaching into all corners of our planet. It is there. And that's one of the pieces of the end-time puzzle that we really need to look at and need to understand that never before, this wasn't 50 years ago or 200 years ago, we have all the resources to get the gospel out across our land. And that is happening, and I'm just praising, I'm praising God for that. Number three, you think, well, we're really going fast. This should be a piece of cake. After three comes four, then we're done. Well, just hang in there. We'll see how that goes. The gospel keeps on giving. Colossians 1, 25 through 27. Paul said, I have become its church or church's servant, he was referring to, by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now, but is now disclosed to the saints. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of his mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Paul says the mystery of what was hidden in times past is now revealed to what? To Christians, to us. And this is important for us to see. Now, I need to be careful. I don't want to be judgmental or whatever. But we need to understand, I think Christians need to understand what Paul is saying here about the mystery. For those people that don't know Christ, then the mystery is hidden from them by their choice. It's hidden from them. Now, Jan meets occasionally with, with three of her old uh, grade school uh, friends. Unfortunately, when they get together, there is some tension that comes develops because Jan 
really is the only born-again Christian in the group. And so Jan had the opportunity last week to meet with two of them, and they, guess what? They start talking about the faith. So I'm going to give you, I have in my notes, I'm not making this up. This comes right from Jan. So if you have any problems with the questions she asks them, then you go right to her. This is not coming from me. Okay, now, two other women and Jan. Now, mind you, the other two go to church. One sings in the choir, also has served on various boards within her church. Okay? The other is a church goer, has gone to church pretty much her whole adult life. So she's gone to church a lot of years. I'll stop right there, Jen, with the a lot of years. And so I know, I know. And so this is what came out of that conversation. First question, Jan, because this comes from Jan, to the girls. Do you read the Bible? They're friends. Sometimes, oops, not really. Question from her friends. You don't believe Noah's Ark is real or was real. Jan, yes, friends, it's just a nice story. Question, again, the friends, do you take the Bible literally? Jan, absolutely. They said, well, we don't. Question, now Jan comes back with her question. Do you believe Jesus died on the cross? Friends, yes. Sounds good, right? Jesus Christ died on the cross. That is wonderful. Here's the follow-up question. Jan, do you believe Jesus was resurrected? Friends, isn't that just symbolic? Stop and think about that one just for a moment, logically. First, you believe that Jesus died on the cross, but then his resurrection was symbolic. Question, Jan, do you believe in Mary's virgin birth? Friends, no, that's impossible. Question, Jan again, isn't God omnipotent that he can do anything? Friends, maybe. Now, let me kind of finish with this. They said to Jan, we go to church, but we don't take anything literally. Everything is symbolic. Then Jan asked the question, Jan says, how can you know the truth if you don't read the Bible? Their answer. Are you ready for this one? All right. They said, and I quote, we don't have to because the pastor teaches us. Ouch. Think about that. What is the mystery? The mystery for them is hidden. They are in church But that's it. They are in church, but they are not in verse 27. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's it. How do we define what a Christian really is? Is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That is it. There isn't anything else that we need to know is if Christ is in us, is Christ in you, 
Yes, when you become born again and receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, Jesus comes in you, in your heart. You know, what a revelation. Jesus Christ is in you, and it keeps getting better, doesn't it? It just keeps giving. Christmas reminds us that Jesus Christ just keeps giving. For when we are in Christ, that God dwells fully in us through his Holy Spirit. And this is important for us to see because this is what drives our spiritual engines. This truth and this hope and this power. If Christ is not in us, then what's the point? Where would the power be? Where would the truth be if Christ is not in us? And that's what's so sobering about all of this. So, for so many churches, there again, I don't mean to throw anybody under the bus, but I'm dealing with facts here. Their response to Jan is the typical apostate church today. We are not the norm in church. We are not. We are the hidden ones where the mystery has been revealed. We know Christ. We know that Christ is near us. They know him in thought, in theory, but they don't know him in their hearts. That is the difference maker. Amen? Boy, that sounds like we're really being nasty. But it's the truth. Number four, don't give up. Don't ever give up. Acts 20, 22 through 24. Listen to this. And now compelled by the Spirit, talk about Paul, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task Lord Jesus Christ has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Now, in verse 23, Paul, Paul didn't really know for sure know exactly what was waiting for him to happen in Jerusalem, but however, the Holy Spirit had warned him in previous cities that there would be some prison time, maybe some suffering going on. So I think he just kind of assumed that the same thing was going to happen in Jerusalem. However, here is what's important about this. Regardless, he felt that his ministry and his life would be in vain if he didn't what? If he didn't finish his race and complete the task of proclaiming Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's what it's all about. Always will be. It's Christ crucified. And as we journey through our lives each and every day, it's all about Christ crucified in us and how God is using us for his glory. 
It's all about his glory. One day, one day, we are going to meet Jesus Christ face to face. And sometimes I, I imagine, wonder, Kathy, what, what God's going to say, what Jesus is going to say to us. It's sad to, th- to think that for so many who've been in the church and he, Jesus is going to say, what do you think of me? Am I just a symbol to you? Is the Bible just symbolism? Then how do you know, if that's your case, if you believe that, if you believe that the Bible is not really the truly the word of God inspired by him and are just symbols and Noah's Ark never really happened, then how do you discern that? Then how do you know what is truth? I mean, that's just logical, isn't it? If you read a book or you talk about, they they make judgments on God, on Jesus, without reading the Bible. How does that work? How does that work? The Bible reveals God. God reveals himself through his word. We know Jesus through the word of God. I know I'm preaching to the choir, but you have been born again. Here, so many of you, you know what I'm talking about. It's only when Jesus Christ came into your heart that you really said, ah, Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. Jesus is my best friend. Jesus died on that cross just for me. Isn't it true? That's when the lights really went on for me. When I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior in my life, bam, Jesus became real. You know what I'm talking about. That's the mystery that was once hidden but now isn't. Because in Christ, we know that God is the fullness through Jesus Christ. Verse 24, Paul said to testify to the gospel of God's grace. Like Paul, God wants us to live in Jesus so that in the, at the end of our days, we can say, I never gave up. Yes, I stumbled at times, I blew it, but I never gave up. I never did, because none of us here are perfect. We all blow it. And yet God never gives up on us. So therefore, why should we give up on him? Amen? And as we conclude this series, I believe that the word of God reveals that we are in the final stages of our Lord's return. Even though we cannot fully understand, we cannot fully understand the end-time events. And perhaps, perhaps we have more 
questions than answers. But this, this should not cast a dark cloud over our hope, our peace, our joy, our faith, and confident anticipation that Jesus is going to return. Because we know this for sure. Jesus Christ is coming again. And I believe, I believe that it's possible that this could happen in my lifetime. I believe it could happen. But let me say this. I believe, I believe that you are going to remember this day. You are going to remember this Sunday. You can remember when you had a pastor, imperfect as he is, you're going to remember when Jesus comes, you're going to remember these words. I really believe that. Jesus is coming again. And he will be victorious. And we will be right with him, beside him, every step of the way. We will be right there with him in glory. Isn't that cool? Know that? He's coming. Who knows, Jason, he may he might even come before the Bears win another Super Bowl. But he's coming. He's coming. Let's just be ready and rejoice because we're on his team. Amen and amen. Lord Jesus, we do praise you and thank you so much. I thank you, Lord, for for the knowledge of knowing that we are on your team. Lord, you love us so much. We're on your team because we love you. We're on your team, Lord, because of your grace. We all fall short of the mark. We all blow it. We all say things we shouldn't say, do things we shouldn't do. But that, that, that does not stop you from loving us. And so we thank you, Lord, for that. I thank you, Jesus, for salvation. And Lord, we thank you for being our Lord. Joy to the world. Joy to the world. Joy to the world.